0: talk about the cessation of the spiritual gifts. I guess this is an issue that has become popular because of the recent uh, Strange Fire conference that took place in California. Let me just make a few comments about that. I think it's important when understanding the difference between the Pentecostal charismatic movement and those who are cessationists when it comes to extraordinary gifts of the spirit is to see that there's a very fundamental difference in how these extraordinary gifts of the Spirit in texts like 1 Corinthians uh, 12 to 14 or the book of Acts, how they are viewed by those who still find those gifts to be relevant for today. In a sense, I see Pentecostals and Charismatics saying that these extraordinary gifts of the Spirit, which you find in the New Testament, uh, that they were not present merely to give rise to the new testament canon that they had a larger function that they were there uh, as uh, signs of the coming kingdom as um, means by which the people of god could gain a foretaste of that new world to come Uh, as a way of also uh vindicating the legitimacy of their message uh providing a means by which um something of uh, god's transformative power could be extended to the world and a means by which these signs could function to wake up people in the world and to help them to see that god is present calling everyone to uh, the divine project for history so when we hear people say that well these gifts were only there to verify apostolic authority and to give rise to the New Testament canon and once that canon is complete there's no need for them anymore in fact it's even dangerous to have them because they could end up competing with the canon that whole argument sounds very strange to many of us Uh, for one thing we see these gifts as having a much more expansive role to play in the New Testament and for another thing uh, I don't know how Signs and wonders of the Spirit, if, if they really are from the Spirit, could end up in any way competing with the word that comes to us through the New Testament canon. Um, in fact, uh, Pentecostals or Charismatics uh, tend to, and I think rightly, see the biblical word as the living measure of all that takes place in the church, uh, all that claims to be of the Spirit so uh i think there's a fundamental difference between uh the cessationists and the so-called continuationists uh, over how we look at those charismatic signs within the new testament itself now having said that uh, i want to show some ecumenical openness i am an ecumenist i spent years uh, on the faith and order commission of the national council of churches and have been involved in a few different bilateral dialogues and one thing I've learned from the ecumenical movement is that when you fundamentally disagree with another Christian family you should always seek to try to understand correctly what it is they're saying and what their intention is uh, positively speaking and uh, one thing I've learned from the cessationist movement is that uh, we we can't just assume when we look at the New Testament that every gift described there is meant to continue on without change. Uh, for example, when I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says that uh, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts diversely as He wills. So um, it's not human acceptance or rejection that really fundamentally determines how the gifts flourish or wane or change even over time, because gifts can change, they're fluid, they're context related. It's the spirit who is at base, the one who is orchestrating the gifted life of the church. And it is possible that there can be gifts that were prominent in one place in time that might not continue to be prominent. Or there are gifts that could change somewhat depending on the context and the need. Uh, there might be gifts today that are merely analogous to those that are found in the New Testament may not be the same at all I like to see the gifted life of the church as a somewhat fluid thing so that there can be gifts that um, Might not be as prolific today as they once were or at least not everywhere and at every time uh, Is is a reality that I think if you respect the sovereignty of the Spirit you have to be open to um, So uh, you know I want to be open. Now in terms of where the history has gone in this conversation uh, I I just have to make a remark uh, about this. I I, I don't think the cessationists are really um, winning the day in terms of the conversation. In fact if you look over the decades of the evangelical movement that particular option is waning in its strength and persuasive power. Um, it's, it's far less um, significant today in the evangelical movement than it was, say, only a generation ago. In fact, in my experience in the ecumenical movement, um, and I was involved for six years in the international reformed Pentecostal dialogue, the, the issue of cessationism didn't even come up. Um, it, uh, in fact, I didn't come across one single person who was a cessationist in any of the ecumenical uh, circles I, I traveled in. And I came to realize that that movement has become pretty much confined to certain pockets of uh, the conservative evangelical movement, particularly in the United States. Uh, And I think it's waning. Now, does that mean it's wrong? No. I mean, there are movements that have been marginalized who have something important to say. But I do think in the light of that, that those who are at the forefront of this movement need to look very soul-searchingly about uh, whether or not their understanding of these gifts might not be too narrow, uh, might not need to be expanded somewhat. Um, And rather than simply assuming that we need to listen to them, and I do think to some extent we need to, uh, they need also to listen to us. And in that way, I think, uh, we might be able to illuminate each other.